0: bed before bed and i'm so delighted to have veronica on our show hello hi veronica um how do you pronounce your last name Casaleus. Casaleus. okay got it down got it down. now we have a moth in the room with us it's a quieter day on the set today because it's a thursday night not your average uh, friday night here at the pacific hotel junction and um uh, which is nice nice for our recording purposes so, uh, Veronica, you've lived a pretty interesting life so far. You've made some jumps and leaps from place to place. You started off as a social psychologist. Yes. Probably, maybe my favorite type of psychologist. Oh, it's okay. A, it's pretty cool one. It is pretty
1: cool one. Yeah. I agree.
0: So, you were practicing as a, as a psychologist for some time? No.
1: Um, So I did my master's. So my master's research was on how race affects the way jurors process case evidence. Um, Yeah. So that's what I did my master's on. And then... There's not a lot of jobs in that kind of arena unless you want to be a professor. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked very briefly at a firm that did personality assessment development for hiring purposes, Mm -hmm. but that just was not me. Um, So I ended up going to healthcare instead, actually, because social psych has a lot of analysis um, and research skills associated with the training, and so it worked really well in a healthcare setting.
0: Nice. Yeah. Awesome. And at some point in your life, there was a juncture, and... You decided, uh, you know, that something, something changed. Okay. Yes. Do you want to talk more
1: about that? Sure. I think that I'll probably sound like a raging feminist, (laughs) Um, but I'm feeling a little bit like a raging feminist lately. uh, So that's okay. Um, Yeah. After eight years in healthcare, part of that time was spent um, as a director. I was really kind of struggling with the politics of the workplace for women Um, when I had become a director. I was really shocked to see the discrepancy in salaries between the men and women on my team. And I had been on the team and then got promoted within. So I knew very well what people's competencies were, what their workloads were. I mean, the men were making 35 to 40% more than what the women were. Um, And this is in (laughs) bureaucracy. Yeah. Um, My boss got a phone call once saying, and I was at an executive level at this point, saying that if Veronica is going to attend our meetings, she's only to speak when spoken to. Like that was actually the direct quote of what was said. kind of it got to the point where I decided that um, that first off, it was time to kind of create a space specifically for women that I could really get behind and be passionate about. Um, and this had always been a dream of mine. And secondly, I just kind of decided that I didn't want gender politics to have such a heavy influence on my career trajectory. So yeah. it was after a couple years in that position that I decided enough was enough. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey came along and that was a huge success and it signaled to me that women were ready to kind of have a space that was their own and start taking some ownership of their sexuality and so I decided the time was right for the nookie. Yeah. The nookie. The what? nookie. The nookie. <laughs> no. What? Oh God, Fred.
0: <laughs> Fuck Fred. No. Please don't come me royalties you only used one percent of the song so i would i I wanted to use that as the intro music no but you i'm sure you would
1: i would be loathsome of that idea okay okay
0: yeah um that's awesome so uh did you did you ever toy with the idea of trying to create that space for women within that space of the bureaucracy or you know when you were saying that you wanted to, to kind of create a space that was like did you want to want to fight it from the inside or Well, I did. Like I I spent a
1: lot of years fighting it from the inside. Um, I spent time fighting it from the inside in terms of just the way that I conducted myself. So when people were saying things like she's only to speak when spoken to, it wasn't like an "okay" or I'm sorry. It was an "okay" that I'm not going to participate at all. Kind of drawing boundaries for myself. Yeah. you know, there was a lot of times when women around the office would be told to be nice uh, when we were going to meetings, mm-hmm. which, I mean, none of us are not nice people. Yeah. Um, so in those cases, I would actually have conversations with the people that said it about how they're gender typing, and it makes it really hard for us to do our jobs when the expectations for our conduct are based on their expectations of how nice women behave rather than what actually needs to get done at the time. So, I, like it did, um, when I took over... As a director, I raised the women, women's salaries where I could as much as I could within bureaucracy. Um, and I made sure that there was equality with the men and women that I hired after that. Um, so, I mean, there was some opportunity for that, but not enough. Yeah. And it was too big of a fight.
0: Yeah. Well, the nookie is something really unusual. And, uh, I mean, let's start, let's start from the beginning, which is, I checked out your website and you use language, uh, you know, I'm always curious about how people use language and you certainly use specific language when you talk about this, this project, you know, you say, this is not a sex shop. This is a, um,
1: sensuality shop,
0: a sensuality shop. And you say they're not sex toys. They're pleasure products. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. So you use different language when you speak about it. and uh, Which is
1: doing terrible things for my Google SEO. But <laughs> <laughs> right, people don't really search
0: that way. But yeah. yeah, it does good things
1: for, I feel like, communicating the, the brand that I want people to feel comfortable with. So Right.
0: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you were living in the West Coast. Yeah. And did you specifically want to bring it into Toronto for a reason? Or you just, you wanted to come to Toronto and you're like, this is where I'm going to do this. Um, mostly the latter. I mean,
1: part of it... I feel like there's a major gap in Toronto in terms of what's available in the sex kind of industry. Um, And just based on population size alone, I felt like there were more opportunities here. Um, And I feel like a big part of what my business does is education, events, um, a lot of locally sourced products. There's art in the shop, um, handmade bondage gear, and handmade lingerie by locals. And that was really important to me to kind of have that kind of a space. And that just... Toronto's the place if you want to get involved with artists who are doing kind of innovative, kind of different things. I feel like in Canada, this is the place for that.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Oh, so so, so uh, some of the products are locally sourced by local kind of makers.
1: Yeah, a significant portion. I mean, I buy as well, like wholesale Canadian wherever I can. But yeah, there are, at this point, many local designers that are selling in the shop.
0: Sweet. Yeah. Uh, I noticed some of the workshops that you run. Yeah. You got- kink for couples yeah you got. um there's one about yoga for sex yoga
1: yoga for untamed sex
0: <laughs> it's so deliberate it's great i mean you know those people out there doing yoga for that reason let's just be more focused about it you
1: know Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting. Like I, I got an email from a guy today asking if I would provide him with a partner for it. Cause you know, that kind of stuff is going to happen, which no, I'm not. Yeah. Um, but this is the, <laughs> this is this, and you know, you, you want to be nice cause you don't know if he's actually serious or if he's just kind of trying to be a creep. And yeah. so there's been a lot of guys come into the shop that are clearly just trying to be creeps. Um, but you need to treat each one as if they're seriously in need of your support. So he, he got a supportive response. Um, but yeah, like we've already had the yoga for untamed sex one once, and it was a lot of fun. Like it was much more kind of focused on moving together and getting comfortable kind of breathing together and slight touch and some basic yoga posturing to just kind of open up. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a great workshop. I'm looking forward
0: to doing it again. Yeehaw! Nice! Um, Veronica, going back to something that you also talk about in sort of the history of the nookie, you talked about how, uh, how women relate to their own pleasure. Okay. And what sort of patterns were you seeing, noticing about how women view their own pleasure?
1: Um, with a lot of shame, although I think that's not specific to women. I think men view their sexuality and sexual desires with a lot of shame as well. Um... But women women's number one fantasy, and it's still a really predominant fantasy, was force intercourse fantasies. So women are fantasizing about being raped when they're masturbating, um, which is one thing if you're fantasizing about that because you want to be dominated or controlled. Um, it's another thing if you're fantasizing about it because you don't feel like it's okay, even in your fantasy life, to want to get bent over um, and taken from behind, for example, which is a really simple fantasy, but I mean, I've, even in a lot of college age women's fantasy lives, even just initiating a sex act is still something that is so outside the realm of what they consider acceptable. Um, and frankly, I, I, don't think a lot of women that are younger and even older, um, even necessarily understand that sex can actually be pleasurable for both partners. I think that there is still the conception that sex is something that women give to men. Um, As basically part of their duties as the woman. So, so that's what we were finding. Um, That's concerning to me on a lot of different levels. One of the ways that that is concerning to me is just in terms of things like STD and unwanted pregnancies. I mean, if you don't even feel like it's okay to say you want sex, you're probably not going to feel like it's okay to say put on a condom. Um, So, there's that problem. Um, There's just relationship problems. I mean, if you guys aren't having as a couple the sex that you want, nobody's happy. Um, I think we underestimate the significance of sex in relationships just because we don't talk about it. Um, Another thing that it does is we don't talk about it then. There's no language for sex. Nobody's comfortable talking about it. Um, And when even in your fantasy life you can't start exploring, how are you expected to start having a conversation with somebody else when in your own head you can't do it? Um, And then I feel like the other aspect, I don't know that I should say this. outfit. Yeah, um, I feel like it could get confused um, as if I'm somehow blaming victims of sexual assault which is not at all what I'm trying to say but I think that for really well intentioned men um, and women in sexual contact I think there can be a little bit of confusion about what the boundaries of consent are if women are asserting yeah. their sexuality because there is kind of the expectation of playing coy and you know him pushing a little bit before you say okay because then you know you're not the slut who's initiating the right. sex yeah. and I think that for a lot of well-meaning men that can that can really confuse them about what is actually a no what is actually a maybe not and what is somebody just needing that little bit of pressure yeah. um, and for a lot of women who maybe when they were saying no like actually weren't interested that pressure they might start succumbing to it, but not because they want to, but because they're being pressured. Um so then it sets people up to be victims um and victimizers just based on some weird sexual politics about being able to even say, Yes, I want this from you. Yeah. Um so I think it's really, really dangerous um on a lot of different levels, this unwillingness for women to own their sexuality. Um, I'm not putting that on women. It's a it's a social problem that belongs to all of us. Um, but yeah, so that was that was kind of what made me start thinking that a place like the Nookie needed to happen. But that would have been, yeah, like 2002. So it took a long time.
0: Holy, you covered so much ground (laughs) there. Uh, I'm just deciding which which pocket (laughs) I want to jump back into. So I was teaching sexual health uh, in January at my old high school, believe it or not. And I've, I've learned so much from doing that training and being in front of a room of... Grade nine or and ten girls. And it's empowering for me to give that power to them. And you know, one of the things that I talk about when I teach consent is part of setting your boundaries involves sometimes hurting somebody else's feelings. And one of my favorite consent educators, uh Karen B. K. Chan, who's gonna be on the show Ooh. in a few weeks. Uh in one of her videos, she talks about, it's not about avoiding hurting somebody else. It's about how to deal with the guilt you might feel that results anyway that from your actions, from setting your own boundaries, you know? Um, and to your other point about women wanting to ask for it, and of course, yes, I certainly remember growing up, this idea that I had to be coy or that I had to behave in a certain way, otherwise I'd be labeled that um, that I was circumspect and like my sexual life was circumspect and you know privy to the opinions of others
1: That's not a paranoid thought though that is the reality um, and I it takes I think some people that are willing to just, say, screw it, I'm going to be me, and then other people start saying, screw it, and then we can start accepting the fact that it's actually okay for women to want it. Um, But I mean, the Madonna horror complex is still a very, very, very real part of romantic politics um, and sexual politics, and that's not going anywhere, I don't think, in our generation, to be quite honest.
0: Mm. No, you don't think we... We're not
1: progressing. We still don't have a language to speak about sexuality. So um, there's more pictures of sexuality on Instagram. Um, You know, there's more magazines like Cosmo talking about how to give a blowjob. But that still doesn't give us a language for navigating sexuality. Um, And it certainly doesn't certainly doesn't get at the heart of the issues of things like why is the Madonna Whore Complex actually a thing um, that impacts the way that people date and love and marry um, because I think that it is and I think unfortunately feminism... Feminism has become a pretty dirty word, and I think that um, a lot of people now, when women start talking about oppression and their views on things, will shut down because they're so sick of feeling like they're being yelled at. Um, like men that I know, for example, they're so sick of feeling like they're being yelled at or like they're being told that they're assholes. Um, that they're not even really willing to hear a lot of women out anymore, I think. So it's like we almost have these polarized pockets of people. Um and we don't we don't have the language to have a meaningful dialogue about it
0: I suppose from my perspective what I, where I'm coming from is I guess that the internet I feel like the internet can be a democratizing force in many ways and I guess I feel like if you want to look first for more information on people who been through what you've been through or if you want to look up something up on YouTube and find somebody who's had a similar experience to you, I guess I feel like that's more accessible now than it was before. I think
1: the internet is screwing us up even more. So we're apparently on totally opposite sides of the fence. Because I feel like if somebody's putting something on the internet, they're tweeting about something, they're writing a blog about something, it's because their views or experiences are really extreme. And the average person is probably not going to be able to relate to that. Um, And so it, it makes the issue seem other than what they are for the average person which isn't to say that the really significant salient issues aren't issues but they are not where we need to be starting Um, we need to be starting at the places that people still aren't talking about or that represent a broader spectrum of people's experiences Um, and we're not we're not, we're not there, I don't think. The average person who comes into my shop is still really shameful about wanting to try a sex toy. They're still looking for permission from me or whoever they've come in with to want to try, for example, an anal toy. I mean, I'll get women who will come into my shop and they will literally spend two hours with me looking at toys and playing with stuff and being all excited and chatting about their relationships. And then they bring their boyfriend back and they are another woman. They will not have an opinion. They do not show him what they wanted. Um, everything is up to him after that. So no, I, I think the internet is people are getting too scared of getting attacked because we have all these social media warriors that are attacking, and it, I think it's really intimidating to most people.
0: Mm, you mean like the social social media warriors that that try to control behavior? Yes, and keep it kind of heteronormative.
1: I think on all spectrums, I think people with extreme views um, don't invite dialogue. I think, if anything, they shut dialogue down because it's just a matter of there's a lot of if you don't agree with my view, you're wrong. Um, Rather than if you don't agree with my view, why don't you explain to me your view and we can have a meaningful conversation about it. Um, Another... Apparently we're talking about the internet now. Um, another another kind of concern that I have with the internet that I think makes it a detriment is that actual credible sources and media and information are not there anymore. There are not actually educated voices that have much of a form anymore. There's not good media or investigative journalism. It's a bunch of people with opinions and we've started taking people's opinions as if they're fact. Um, and that doesn't inform us.
0: In 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 sort of your... Your, what, what would be your hope in terms of seeing that kind of sexual dialogue be out there more? Like, how, how would you see people kind of learning about that and progressing? What would that look like?
1: The Nookie would be a franchise.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just went to my local Nookie. <laughs> and and they were amazing. Yeah. Um, no, I feel like... I feel like the first step would be, I mean, there is more of a more of a willingness now for the media that does still exist and that is still credible to start, to start talking about sexuality. Um, but they're still not talking about sex in their talk about sexuality, which is the funny thing. Like, right. there was an article, I think it was Bustle or something, about how to get out of your head during sex. And it's <laughs> like, well, from an actual kind of sex educator perspective, um, there are things like bondage that are, ex- It's bondage is extremely effective for people to get super in their head during sex. It's a great way for people to relax. Um, blindfolding is a great way. Role playing. These are the kind of things you can do during sex that are sexual to help you enjoy sex. Um, but their article was things like picture yourself by the ocean, listening to the <laughs> waves. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> Holy yeah. yeah, so it's still so, like <laughs>
0: vanilla. I don't want to say vanilla, but mainstream. I don't know.
1: Yeah, sex isn't about sex. I mean, everything's about sex except for sex, um, and that <laughs> that doesn't help us get it on better. <laughs>
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And as we know, I mean, a lot of the time communication is big. And when people feel like... ah, Like when people realize how many possibilities there are out there and ways to live your sexual life, sex gets better for everybody (laughs) involved. I totally agree. Like even you don't even
1: have to do anything different. I feel like even if you just talk about what you've been doing, that is enough to make sex better. Because um, I feel like a lot of people when it comes to sex, even with long term partners feel like they're kind of feeling their way through in the dark. People don't tend to communicate their pleasure to their partner or what they like or what they don't like. And so I feel like we all kind of feel like idiots most of the time, (laughs) if we really let ourselves think about it. Um, And so even just being able to say to a partner, that was really good for me, or I really liked it when you did this that can help improve the sex life because it builds confidence, right?
0: Right, and it's really surreal. Even i um, you know, there's been some research studies that show how little couples talk about sex. It's astounding, <laughs> you know. And to to another point that you were mentioning about how maybe women feel that the pleasure is meant to be one sided. Uh, how that's pretty like however tragic that feeling is. There's also research that shows that men want to give their partners pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah, and and authentically. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: No, you know, it was a funny thing. Like, I had always, even just back to the Madonna Horror Complex, I had always kind of figured that the Madonna Horror Complex was about the way people viewed women and um, their feelings about women asserting their sexuality. But this woman who does tantric massage stopped by the shop and totally changed my perspective. Um, and I'm inclined to agree with this, and it goes in line with what you're saying. Um, she basically figured that the Madonna Horror Complex wasn't about the way that the men that kind of categorize women that way is the one you sleep with and the one you kind of love and marry it wasn't about their perception of the value of the woman it's about their own emotions about their own sexual desires and their own sexual shame and so basically the reason why you know the horror is kind of somebody you keep on the sidelines is because you don't want to have to experience your own shame and guilt around your sexuality like you do with that woman um so that was kind of an interesting perspective, and so I do like I think men still experience a lot of shame around their sexuality. There's a lot of weirdness around it, and they do want to pleasure women, but they don't know how to start. They feel inadequate if they have to ask. Um, so yeah, like they're we're all screwed
0: up. Yeah, my last guest was uh, is a sex therapist, and he brought up erectile dysfunction, mm-hmm. and he was saying that a lot of the times it's been. Uh, I don't know, medicalized, I suppose. But he said a lot of the times it can be talked through.
1: Absolutely. Psychological. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Blown away. I was blown away by that. So he talked about the pathologization of a lot of sexual, I don't know, things. And I just went to the University of Guelph Sexuality Conference. Oh, okay. And met uh, a really cool sex therapist from Portland. And she was saying... Was it Joe Allen? her name is Angie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's another one for me to look up. (laughs) Yeah. But she said, people come into my office and they just feel so good about being in a space where it's like, when they feel comfortable enough to talk about whatever it is that they like, I say, awesome. How do we make that happen for you? How do we find somebody who can, that likes that too? So, yeah. And, and so I see that we're all kind of working in this direction of making people feel that it's, whatever they're doing is okay.
1: It's okay. This is, <laughs> you know, like, it's is it okay that I'm into butt stuff? Yes. <laughs> like, it is absolutely okay. Yeah. Um, no, we all feel like freaks, but we're all not. Like, that's actually kind of part of what I try and really stress to people is whatever makes you feel like you're super kinky is actually probably super common. Um, <laughs> not to make you feel like you're not a unique snowflake, but... <laughs> it's okay like you're normal and this is you're not some freak um yeah no I think that is so if we're going to move in the direction way back to your initial question about kind of what needs to happen to give people kind of something to talk about I think the starting point would be um talking about what's actually common so that people don't feel so alone in it
0: right right and it's so far it's so much more than just tv sex yeah (laughs) Um, what, in terms of, you talked about people coming into your shop and I'm so curious what that experience is like and maybe some things you've seen where people are really delighted and experiences that they've shared with you.
1: Sure. Um, Hmm. So my, my customers so far tend to be female. Um, and so one example that I thought was really great, um, and one thing that I do think we need to be focusing on as well for sexual health is educating physicians, like medical doctors. Medical doctors do not talk to their patients about sex. Um, it's amazing to me that even like kind of postpartum care for new moms doesn't involve conversations about sex, um, their pelvic floor. It's just so embarrassing for a lot of physicians still. Um, and so I had a woman who came in she'd had a couple of large babies and she was young like she was in her 30s she couldn't run a few steps without peeing herself she couldn't laugh without peeing herself because her pelvic floor was basically destroyed um her her doctor had said just do Kegels but didn't actually talk to her about what that needed to look like or using any kind of Kegel exercise devices Um, so she came in and I sold her a set of uh, Kegel balls like a different weighted set Um, and she came back a week later and said after a week she like tested it and went for a run with her son and didn't there was no leakage Um, and she said her orgasms had already started improving so then she's like what can we get for my husband you know like. (laughs) so that was super kind of you know because this is just it I feel like well not I feel like there is still a ton of stigma around the sex industry um finding banks who will deal with me, um, finding landlords who would take me in. I mean, it took me five tries to find a graphic designer who would do my logo. And I had a friend who worked in advertising ask the graphic designer, she said, and none of them wanted to work with somebody who had anything to do with sex. Um, I know, this is still a really big, big thing. And so I think that the thing that people don't understand is that these kinds of shops, depending on the intention, I suppose, of the shop um, and their vision are really providing a social service that is lacking and it is a health issue. Um, and so, yeah, like that story made me feel really good. I had another woman who'd come in to buy her first piece of lingerie. She was like 62, I think. Um, and she'd had a good experience. So then she booked a private party, just me, her and her friend who was having a 75th birthday (laughs) to come in to her first sex shop to get her first sex toy at 75. Yeah, so that was, yeah, and it was just kind of fun to see them in the shop and trying things and so that woman now, I hope, is going to have some fun with her first vibrator. That was like, yes. it's great, right? <laughs> um, so so those are kind of a couple of the stories that really come to mind but I just, I feel like, you know, there's women who will come into my shop and they'll talk to me um, and they'll they'll be crying about sexual assaults um, and I feel like even just having a space to come in and talk to somebody and shed a few tears, is a valuable contribution. Um, so, yeah, those are kind of some of the more inspiring stories.
0: It is. Holy. It's... <laughs> I'm just so glad that this space exists. That you have that you have your shop. Thank you. I'm so glad. When did it open?
1: Uh, it opened in January of this year, in store um, and online. It went up in September of last year, okay. but I didn't do much to push the online. That was just kind of get it up while I'm looking <laughs> for a landlord who doesn't hate me.
0: Oh my god! Yeah. Wow. Re- hopefully not really. Oh, relieved to the store.
1: Yeah, know. it's the store. Um, they didn't want sex shops. They didn't want sex toys. They.
0: Yeah. My gosh. I don't know. People gotta people gotta move forward. They do. They do. I don't as you said and as I learned too when I was becoming a sexual health educator, that doctors apparently get a ridiculously little amount of training on how to talk to their patients about sex. Yep. I heard something like less than a week out of their entire time in doctor school. <laughs>
1: I just had a conversation this weekend with a doctor um, who couldn't even say to me, we were talking about like PMS, cramps, mood swings, and he could not even say the word period to me. He said, your thing. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: yeah, they're not well trained. It feels, you know, I I think, well, my goal is that I want to empower people to be, to make informed sexual choices. That's like the thing, you know? And because the whole process for me has been empowering Mm -hmm. to be like, I have an IUD, it's so great. Like it's, I love that I know that it's like 99.1 to 99.9% effective and like taking control of so much of that aspect of my health and, and being incredulous about why that aspect of health has been erased. And uh, I don't know, demonized or whatever you want, however you want to say.
1: Demonized, I think, is actually a pretty accurate portrayal. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it's just like down there.
1: Yeah, your
0: thing. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow! I know. I have to talk after about who that was, so I can avoid him or her. <laughs> Holy smokes! Um, now I want to talk a little bit about how you made this swoop in. Uh, in your kind of bio, you talk about how. You inadvertently signed up for an orgy, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask
1: for the story. How does that something like that happen? It was a meetup group of all
0: <laughs> <laughs> of all
1: things. Damn meetup! Yeah, for yeah. my show. <laughs> so I know I keep meaning to do it like a meetup kind of reach out to people, but anyway, uh, not an orgy like an actual yeah. <laughs> sex ed meetup. Um, Oh, although I had a workshop on sensual butt play that I didn't word properly and people thought they'd come in and for $35, I would sensually play with their butts, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a separate story. Um, uh, yeah, so it was a meetup group that just talked about sexual enlightenment and it was when I was doing my market research. So I'm like, let's see what people are talking about in the world of sex right now. And then it was in some person's basement in in Greek town, of course, in Greek town. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're a dirty bunch, the Greeks. Um, And yeah, so it's just kind of, you start out caressing and then there's the invitation to get naked. And then it's just kind of like they set up the, this is a judgment-free zone, do as you feel.
0: Wow. What is the music? (laughs) Wow.
1: in my head. It, that's how I remember yeah. it anyway. I don't... Oh the music is so important, you know. I to an orgy? Absolutely. The no, there wasn't any music <laughs> from what I recall. Uh, who knows? You know, oh this God. is one of those things that your memory just kind of does with it what it yeah, needs no to kidding. and I feel like I've repressed it.
0: Yeah. I love, I love like... The, picturing you in front of the home, and you're like, down there, I'm going down there, and you go. <laughs> I'm traversing, I'm like, I want to take my up it's my weekly promise to myself. <laughs> so that's just,
1: yeah, like there, because yeah. uh, I did, I did a lot yeah. of kind of sex club touring and things, and I traveled all over the place. The like guy you know I went to a place in Berlin and they didn't like my chosen wardrobe so they dressed me in something from their stock at this weird club in Berlin <laughs> they chose the outfit for me and yeah so no there were a lot of experiences that you're just like this is what I'm doing like, it's science like this is, yeah. this was my rationalization for everything it's science yeah. gotta serve my customers as best as possible
0: yeah no kidding um I have only, in Toronto, been to Oasis. Okay. That's my only one. And then someone was telling me about subspace. Okay. But other than that, I'm, I've am been thinking about going and visiting a few myself in the city.
1: I'm in a weird place where I feel like I can't do much in the city anymore. Um, I went to a, a kink party um, someplace close to church um, that a friend took me to and I saw several customers there and they all just kind of looked at me and didn't acknowledge me which is okay like it's you know everybody's trying to maintain their privacy Um, but it felt a little bit almost like I was intruding on their space it's like you know when the ice cream person comes to the party after it's I don't know like I I did I felt or like when the clown stays to hang out and have cake like I felt a little bit like and I think that's just in my head like maybe there needed to be some separation and from my perspective as well, like I do kind of want to keep that separation between what I do in my professional life and what I do in my personal life.
0: Right. Yeah, I hear you. Some other people I know that kind of work in the sex realm are able to uh, do it all. And I don't know. Yeah, everybody's different in terms of what... <laughs> what they're
1: comfortable with I think so I mean if I was a a bona fide sex educator I'd probably be going to a lot more of these things to meet customers and clients um but I don't know I feel like as an entrepreneur I I who wants a store I don't know I kind of feel I feel a little bit like I'm intruding if I show up at events in a weird way I, I do I think that's all in my head but yeah that's in what's in my head right now
0: there's a sex therapist that I met, and uh, she also does go-go dancing Okay, other sort of things, and she's very, you know, her Instagram's very, uh, she's like scantily clad a lot, and so those worlds sometimes intersect where her clients will come and be like, hey, like, looking at some of your pictures.
1: So, you know. No, so this is just it. Um, but I view my target demographic more as the, like I made the sex shop for the people that would never be caught dead in a sex shop. And so I feel like if they're looking at my Instagram and, you know, there's pictures of my tits on my Instagram, that doesn't make it an approachable space to them. Um, because a lot of people are intimidated by that kind of thing, right? So I'm trying to keep it kind of as professional. Not that I'm saying it's unprofessional yeah. to post pictures like that of yourself. Um, I just feel like for the people that are already a little uncomfortable with exploring their sexuality going to a space that's so overtly sexual might be a little
0: uncomfortable for them i hear you you've brought some toys for me to look at today mm-hmm. i'm so delighted and um i'll take a photo of these and post them alongside your episode later so we can see but it looks like a long bullet on a, on a chain. So, yeah. This
1: is the Crave Vesper Necklace Vibrator. Oh, my gosh. It's a necklace. Mm. And it's a very stylish necklace. It's a very... I have compliment. I get compliments on mine all the time. Um, it's super powerful. It's rechargeable. It's... My favorite little vibrator um, to recommend to people because it's so great for travel and it's so powerful. Um, it's stainless steel. So very few people are going to, if any, are going to have an allergic reaction to it. Um, yeah. It's super quiet, super powerful.
0: <laughs> it's gorgeous. I and
1: watch. it's beautiful.
0: I'm feeling the vibrations now. It is. It is aesthetically pleasing. And I mean, from my <clears throat> perspective, what's that brand? Um, not, is it Lilo? For me, when I first saw my first Lilo product, I was like, wow, this is really beautiful. You know, I just thought, I don't know, it's, it's great to see aesthetically pleasing toys out there, you know? Okay, so that's the one. And then we have a lovely purple... <laughs> yeah,
1: so, um, I mean, your Lilo point's an interesting one. I think that them and We Vibe are the two uh, manufacturers that made shops like mine possible. Because um, if I was selling some jelly, veiny, massive dong thing in my shop, it wouldn't really be my shop anymore. Yeah. Um so products like that really focused on women's pr- pleasure, women's aesthetics, quality, body safety. Um, and so the one that I brought today is by Fun Factory, another German, it's a German company that also is super focused on just the pleasure aspect. Um, they tend to do very unisex kind of branding and packaging and marketing materials, which is great. Because um, I mean, a base based vibrator can go vaginally or anally. It doesn't care where it's going. It just cares how you clean it after. Um, but yeah, so the reason why I brought this one is because I think... Th- this particular toy and i will let you it yeah <laughs> right now you can <laughs> amazing it, it thrusts itself
0: back and forth motion yeah
1: like <laughs> I think it's a great representation of how far we've come in terms of turning sex toys into like meaningful mechanical products. It's it's just as normal to have that as it is your cell phone. Yes. Like it's just a great piece of machinery that makes your life easier and more pleasurable. Yes.
0: I need to tell you about my first <laughs> Okay. I just feel that once we talked about the jelly, like it was from Aren't We Naughty? In, okay. In Brampton. Yep. Shout out. Yeah. If you're listening. <laughs> it was total jelly. There's like a ring... Thing for your finger and it was like watch batteries Uh going inside and that was it that was all there was to it you know i think i just now i know now i know kind of the whole gamut that's out there you know
1: i don't remember my first vibrator I remember I had a Doc Johnson one. It was a strap-on, like a, a dildo on a harness set. And I had set the dildo portion on like a wooden, um, a painted wooden surface, and it melted the paint off of the <laughs> wood. And so, yeah, then I really was cognizant of body safety after yeah, that, because if it's melting latex paint, um, I probably don't want that in my badge yeah. or anywhere else.
0: Yeah just imagine that when people come to your shop they leave really galvanized and excited to go rediscover their sex life
1: i hope so and like i do i feel like some people do i really want them to Um, women much more so than men i a lot of men who come in alone don't actually seem to enjoy the shop they seem to feel very uncomfortable in it um which i think is really unfortunate because there's tons of products in there for men as well Um, but it's very lingerie focused um and I, yeah, I feel like they feel like it's almost exclusionary to them. So that's super unfortunate. Um, but from a woman's perspective, yeah, I mean, it's the kind of place that they can bring their partner back to, that they feel like they can navigate comfortably. They can bring their girlfriends and say, let me show you the shop. Um, and and it does. It, it gives them. It gives them the pretext for a dialogue about sex because they can be like, I found this really cool shop. Um, And then they can start talking about sex and sex toys. So, yeah. yeah.
0: And it's right downtown. College in Ossington. Callie (laughs) Ollie. It's awesome. I I mean, I think the Ossington Strip is just blowing up right now. Me too. So, I like it. I like hanging out around there. So, it's it's a good location. Yeah, for sure. So... Oh, 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 oh. One product that you have that I had to ask about is a lukewarm balloon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. How do they, how do they, you don't have to talk about them. I'm just fun. Listen, anybody listening should know to go on the Nookies website and just check out the vast majority of products that are on there. There's like staff favorites. There's like obviously the whole lubricant line. There's bed restraints for $40. Which is a great deal. It
1: is a great deal. It's a great, like, baby's first bondage kit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> totally <laughs> I love it the lukewarm balloons hey more for yours to discover you know so any- yeah
1: like it's there again um, Canadian there it's a couple of girls out of Calgary that just do some really fun ah oh, one of the women who finally did somebody who finally agreed to do my logo so it's her company um, so they do these really great hankies that say like blow me um, make me moist and fill me up that look like you know granny's doilies but ah. yeah with dirty sayings um, they do ribbons one of them's the adequate lover award it's like you know like the red participation ribbon but adequate lever um, and then they do the lukewarm balloon so that's just like a like the ultimate cynical person's kind of balloon like we're not bad together I love tolerating you so yeah they're just they're balloons oh, like, oh, they're actual balloons. Okay. Uh, yes, literally <laughs> yeah.
0: okay um, yeah I guess uh, I'm just so excited so so people can go to your workshops. Mm-hmm. How do they find you online? How do they, yeah, where, where can we find you? Oh, yeah. So you can find me,
1: like I said, at College in Auslington. Um Online, I am www.thenookyshop.com. Um, Instagram is at Um Yeah, the event section, there's an event section on my website, um, a workshop section. You can find us there. You can find us on Eventbrite. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Is there anything else you want to mention? No. It's been so wonderful to have you on the show. And uh yeah, thank you so much and uh yeah, so thanks for listening y'all. Thank you for having me. Woo! Bye.